Hello and welcome back to Political Division Re-Envisioned with Nick Liberty, or if you're brand new, then welcome for the first time. Uh, anybody who's not familiar with the podcast, I kind of just generally go through some modern events and some modern politics and try and find some middle ground, but also I'm not a stranger to my bias, so you might see some of that in this episode. Um, right off the bat, I just want to give a disclaimer. This event, if you couldn't guess by the title, is going to include some sensitive content that certain people might not enjoy. Uh, I'm going to be going through some things with with transgender issues and, and gay issues, and I am going to touch a little bit on the most recent events that have happened because it feels necessary. Uh, I'd first like to preface by saying this episode is something I've been planning to do for a couple of weeks, but because of my job working in political research, I haven't had the chance uh, with the election just now over, trying to get everything settled after that. It's been hectic, so I haven't been able to record an episode. But this episode's inspiration did not come from the events in Colorado Springs, which if anybody's not familiar, there was a shooting in Colorado Springs involving Club Q, which is a, a gay nightclub. And that is not the inspiration for this episode. But now that it's happened, I will briefly address that at the beginning of this episode. Um, the inspiration for this episode actually comes from when Biden just recently met with a transgender TikTok famous uh, entity, and they discussed gender affirming care and transitioning people and things like that. And that's more the inspiration of why I felt necessary to make this episode. So um, the first half of this episode is going to be generally about issues with the with transgenderism and the the concerns with how it relates to modern America and also touching into like the the, the broader gay and LGBTQ plus community. Uh, so that's kind of going to be the first half and then the later half is going to be specifically about gender affirming care, mostly relating to children and why even though that's being pitched as something that's compassionate and good, there are concerns with it and why I think that it's not bigoted or uh, it's not a negative to have some concerns with it. So without further ado, I'm going to first get into, like I said, that little bit on the on the most recent thing with that Colorado Springs shooting. Um, if you haven't heard about that, like I said, there's a lot swirling on the Internet that people are going after the person who saved the day in the event. People are talking about how the shooter was a right wing affiliated person. And I, again, I, I don't want to make this episode about that, but I feel the need to address it because the things I've been seeing online and hearing from people are just, I mean, it's, it's insensitive and it's, it's wild. So first off, I'm just going to say, obviously there is never an excuse to commit these heinous acts. And, and by no means by speaking to some of the concerns within the other community, am I justifying or condoning these terrible actions? What happened in Colorado Springs is a tragedy and it's just a, it's a shame and it's a loss of human life that doesn't have to happen in any of these cases when you have these events transpire. And raising concerns with the general community surrounding it does not mean that I condone any action against people or any harm to come to anyone. Quite the opposite. I'm concerned with people's safety and with their well-being, generally speaking. So with the Colorado shooting, what happened was, I'm sorry, the Colorado Springs shooting. Um, so this person who is now being painted from people on the left as a right-wing individual, um, like they're trying to associate him with, with MAGA and all that, it, it's absurd. The guy 
is identifying in court as non-binary. If, if anything, he's just a, a sick individual who did something horrible and we don't really know all the full details, which is another reason I'm not going heavy into this. But what we do know is that in court, he's identifying as MX instead of Mr. or Mrs. And he considers himself non-binary as a they, them. So this is someone who, I'm not saying that, that this is a left-wing extremist. I'm just saying to call this person a right-wing extremist and some of the reasoning I've seen for that is apparently his grandfather is a Trump supporter, which I don't know about anybody else listening out there, but I definitely don't share the political opinions of my grandparents. I love them very much, but I do not agree with them. So it's just grasping at straws, and it's really taking advantage of a terrible thing that happened to try and push an agenda, and that's not right. And that's exactly why I wanted to preface this episode by saying that I'm not trying to do that. This is an episode I've been intending to make and planning to make, and it is in no way inspired by what transpired. It's also why I kind of waited a little bit longer to do this episode. I didn't want to do it hot on the heels of something that happened, but I'm not going to let that stop me from speaking what I think needs to be spoken and, and calling this issue out. And on the other side of this, I've also heard people um, saying that the right is going after the person who saved the day, who tackled this person, who was a, a U.S., I think it was an Army veteran. Again, I haven't done a ton of research on this. This is, I, I know he was in the armed forces and people, apparently a few people fringe on the right are going after him for bringing his kids to a drag show or whatever. And while I don't support that, I don't think anybody in any serious capacity on the right is really going after this person after he saved the day and stopped the the slaughter of innocent people. So anyway, that's kind of just a, a brief touch on that because I feel like it's important to address it, even though I really don't want to get into that. I don't want to, you know, capitalize on anything like that. Um, without further ado, I'm going to get into the main course of the episode, and in just a moment after a brief pause here, I'm going to start talking about the, the general community and, and the issues I have with how it's being addressed in America. So I hope you guys enjoy the show. So in America, we have this situation right now where you have a lot of people that are especially specifically on the left that are saying that, that people in America are are being mistreated for being gay and they're trying to come after gay marriage and, and all these other things that I really haven't heard from the majority of people, elected officials or individuals on the right. And I, I think it's unfounded. And I think this idea that people are being discriminated against for being gay or lesbian or non-binary or, or whatever that may be, if your case for that is that you have people that are that are unwell, that also are these things, and so they're not succeeding in life because they're unwell, but you're trying to attribute that to because they're gay or because they're lesbian or because they're transgender or because they're non-binary. It, it's a silly argument. It, it's the same issue I have with when people go after these, these terrible attacks and say, oh, this is because they were affiliated with this political party or because they believed this. Those are important factors to consider, but they're not the reason someone goes and does these things. And they're also not the reason that someone might not succeed just because you happen to be gay and you're also unwell. And because of that, you're not finding a good career because you've been fired because you can't do what you're supposed to do in that job. Those things aren't associated. And to pretend in America that these people have it 
awful and that there's this terrible discrimination against, against gay people or lesbians. There shouldn't be any discrimination against anybody. If you're hiring somebody to work on a car, right, if you're a mechanic and you're hiring uh, another mechanic to work in your shop, if they're gay or lesbian or trans or whatever, but they're really good at what they do, who cares? I don't think anybody really has an issue with that. If I'm getting my car serviced, I don't care if it's by a non-binary individual. I don't care if it's by a, a gay or a lesbian or a trans individual. If they're doing a good job and my car ends up running better than when I brought it in and they complete the services, more power to them. And I think that's where people kind of come from on it. But the the whole situation in America where they're trying to make this case that, that they're under fire and that the lesbian and gay and transgender communities, I'm just going to say LGBTQ to make things easy, but to say that they're under threat and that America is terribly bigoted towards them, it's dishonest. I mean, if you look around the world, especially in a lot of Islamic nations, there are places where it is literally illegal and punishable by death to be a homosexual, let alone any of these other things. But just the, the basics, like where the whole thing started, is illegal. You'll be thrown off of a building. And to act like that's the same as people saying mean things to you on the internet, or people not letting you, uh, you know, not making your wedding cake or something, it, it's just, it's such a lack of scope. And it's so insane to me that we're allowing this to become a discussion. Well, not allowing it to become a discussion, but allowing it to become a serious discussion and shaming people and making them feel guilty and like they're awful human beings. Because if you vote Republican and one Republican governor in Alabama says that he doesn't support gay weddings, you're an awful, terrible human being. It's just dishonest. Even if you don't support gay marriage, which... I have no problem with. I, I don't care what you do in your personal life as long as you're an adult, and I'll get into that in the second segment here. It doesn't matter. Like you're you're more than free to to do what you want, to be with who you want, to be happy, as long as you adhere to the other reasonable standards of society. For example, people going and you know showing affection in appropriate settings, uh, out at a bar around other adults at a nightclub. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty commonplace. If you're in a public park and two straight people are making out in a way that is just uncomfortable for anyone, especially children to be around, it, it shouldn't matter if it's a, a man and a woman or a woman and a woman or a man and a man or a they and a they or whatever. There are certain settings where these things are on, like when people have issues with the, with the gay pride parades if you're parading it through in front of children, it would be no different than if you had a bunch of straight people scantily clothed wandering through private streets or I'm sorry, through public streets and parading around their, their straight sexuality. Same thing with the, with the children drag shows that have been popping up all across the nation. I have nothing wrong, nothing against people that want to go and participate in a drag show or people that want to go and attend a drag show. Just like I have nothing against people that want to go to a strip club or participate in a strip club. But there are certain settings in which you don't have you, – you wouldn't bring a stripper to a children's birthday party because it's just it's, – it's not something for children. If you have somebody that's that's a stripper that is parading around and coming close to children and gyrating next to them and dancing provocatively and doing cartwheels and scantily clothed you know ways – that would make most people uncomfortable because of, of a form of tolerance. Now we're trying to say that, okay, an individual that's dressed in drag, but is dressed inappropriately in a church or 
at a, a drag show where children are going to be present, where it's specifically welcome for all ages. It's just not acceptable. And it's not because those individuals shouldn't have the right to do it. It's not because I want those people oppressed. I really don't care. I have nothing against them doing whatever they want to do, but you can't go and, and throw that in the faces of children and act like an, a side that has an issue with that is bigoted. That's just, that's just silly. It would be like saying that I'm bigoted against strippers because I don't think they should be at children's birthday parties. And if you want to do that as a parent, I, I guess, but it's just, it's just not right. And there's nothing wrong with having a concern with that and for saying it really shouldn't be done or at a church. And this whole thing where we're trying to go so far into it, where it's not enough to be accepted as adults, it's not enough to do what you want as adults, it has to be that everyone has to be on board with it. Everybody has to accept it. And it's insane to me because what you're pushing these people into it is not a, a good situation. And you have the most freedom of, of essentially anywhere in the world in America and on certain issues, yeah, there, there are some variations and there are some concerns. I've gone over my concerns with the direction America's heading in regards to like the Patriot Act and things like that. Uh, if you want to listen to that, go back to my other previous episodes like the crumbling constitution. But when you, when you have this way of, of spinning things and saying that, that because uh, again, a governor in Alabama or something is, is against gay marriage. That means that all of the right is, is guilty by association. Anybody who supports anybody on the right is guilty by association. If somebody goes and commits a mass shooting and they happen to be a Trump fan, all Trump fans are crazy, gun-toting, want-to-murder-people individuals. It, it's dishonest. And I wouldn't apply the same thing to the left. Now, if they're trying to spin it as it's a right-wing individual and it happens to be a left-wing individual, then at that point, there is a cause to point out, to point out that that's not correct. In fact, it's the opposite, but also that shouldn't matter. It, it, you're not guilty by association. And it, if somebody commits a mass murder while wearing Nike shoes, we don't say that, that Nike owners are more likely to commit mass shootings. It shouldn't be any different if it's a Stay Woke t-shirt, a Black Lives Matter t-shirt, or a Make America Great Again hat. It, 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 those products don't have mind control abilities that cause these people to do these things. These people are sick individuals who do awful things. And when we get to this point in America where we're, we're discounting what other people in the world are doing, when you have actual humanitarian crises involving the LGBT community, when you have people being thrown off buildings or executed publicly and in accordance with Sharia law, for example, and you say, oh, well, that's a different culture that, you know, and you kind of just turn a blind eye to it. But then you say here in America that a, a community not wanting a child drag show in their community is bigoted. It's dishonest. And I really do have a problem with it. I don't have a problem, again, with people expressing themselves and doing what they want to do in appropriate settings. But I do have a problem with the second somebody speaks out against something you don't like or they don't want to be involved with it, suddenly they're the enemy. That's unacceptable. And when you talk about the concerns with trans individuals, and I'll, and I'll touch on this again in the second segment of this. But when you talk about a specifically trans individuals, I'm getting away from, you know, the broader with gay and lesbian and all that. But with trans individuals, we have extremely high suicide rates in that community. And the numbers, despite what you may hear, 
don't really change that significantly pre and post op. If you look at most of the research, they find that it's somewhere around 30 to 50%, depending on some factors like males have a higher, whether it's male to male or whether it's female to male or male to female. People involved with the male side of it have more of a higher statistic, but generally speaking, it's somewhere around high 30s to low 50s percentage-wise of these individuals that will attempt suicide pre or post-op. And if the case was that, that transitioning them and accepting them would make the difference, you wouldn't see that number. And I've heard the argument that, oh, it's, it's societal, it's that they're not accepted by the group. It's just dishonest. Even in concentration camps in Nazi Germany, you didn't have numbers that were that high for attempted suicides. And to say that somebody that has transitioned or wants to transition in America is under a worse societal control than somebody in a German concentration camp, it's just, it's not reasonable. You have to admit, whether you disagree with or you are fully behind, that that is an alarming number and it does show some natural, like extreme percentage of suicidal tendency and of mental instability in people that are or are, tr- or that are, are trying to or have transitioned. And to ignore that is completely dishonest. And again, I'll, I'll get into why this is a really big concern specifically relating to children because again, whether it corrects anything, whether it makes their lives better or not, I think people have the right to do what they want to do. And if that means getting a transitional surgery as a consenting adult, that's your right. But to pretend that in America they're under fire and that it's going to fix everything and that it's only because people don't accept them that there's these suicide rates, it's just not true. You, you can't look at the statistical attempted suicide rates of people in Auschwitz and say that that is a, is a less severe circumstance than somebody who has transitioned and is not being accepted in America as their chosen gender. It, it, it's just, and I know people will disagree. They'll find some kind of reason why, oh, I'm not taking this into account. But just look at those numbers. Honestly, please look them up. I beg you, do your own research on this. I've looked it up. I, I was going to find the resources for it. I was like the one of them was like the heritage.org or something. I, I don't remember where, but I, I found numerous sources that use the same numbers, and that's really not the point. But if you don't believe me, I, I invite you to go and look it up yourself and do the research, please. It takes a few minutes to, to look it up and find the numbers on Google. You have to filter through some things, but you can find it. And the reality is, is that these people have issues. And they have mental concerns. And I'm not saying all of them. I'm not saying that I'm an expert on it. I'm just saying by the numbers, there is a severe problem in these communities. And when you push children into this and you act like it's normal, as I'm going to get into shortly, you're really putting them into a future where their lives are uncertain. So anyway, that's that's kind of like the first half of this. I just wanted to talk about the the general concerns in America and the direction we're heading. I didn't want to get too heavy into anything, but I do want to go into the next segment here. So give me just a moment and I'll get into that. So like I said, with the second half of this, I wanted to get into what is called gender affirming care, specifically as it relates to children. And again, this whole episode was sparked by a meeting that happened, uh, it was probably like a month ago now, it was before the election, um, 
Biden, if you're not familiar, met with a TikTok uh, TikTok star named Dylan Mulvaney, who has 8.4 million followers on TikTok. She came to the White House. Um, she's someone who transitioned to become a woman. And they were talking about gender affirming care and how it needs to be available to anyone who needs it and how it needs to be covered and all this. And I just I have to speak out against this and not against, you know, uh, gender affirming care, as they call it, but against gender affirming carelessness, which is going to be in the title of this episode. When you when you tell children that are going through puberty or have just started puberty that if they feel discomfort, it's because they're in the wrong body. That's a dangerous thing. And when, when everybody listening to this, I'm assuming, has gone through puberty, is probably at least in their late teens, probably an adult. Otherwise, I don't know why you'd be listening to a politically themed podcast. But if you recall, when if you're a man, when you got taller, it was kind of weird. It was uncomfortable. Suddenly you were way taller and your balance was off. If you're a woman, when you went through uh, puberty, when you started bleeding once a month, that was weird. That was uncomfortable. That was not something that like was, uh, that's not something that was a comfortable transition. So when you take somebody that's in that state as a young kid and say, oh, well, we can stop this discomfort. What, what the problem is, is that you're not what you're becoming. You're meant to be the other thing. You, you're a man who picked up a Barbie. You're a woman who likes to wrestle in, in outside or you, you like to, you know, roughhouse. So you're clearly a man in a woman's body or you're clearly a woman in a man's body. It's ridiculous. It, it's absolutely ridiculous. And again, I have no problem with once someone is an adult making a decision for themselves. But when you start imposing this on children and saying that gender-affirming care is care and it needs to be done, and then they go one step further and now there's talk of being able to have child protective services come in if parents don't agree to transition their children. Or you're going to have children getting puberty blockers without their parents' consent, without their parents' knowledge. You're going to have all of these things occurring from teachers that are going to make the decision because they know your kids better than you do. That's a dangerous precedent. That's how you end up with very dangerous circumstance. And this is not a slippery slope fallacy. This is a real concern. When you talk about this, when you talk about, okay, if you don't let your kid go on puberty blockers, if you disagree with that, then you're going to be, you know, handled in a child protective services case. That's ridiculous. And the thing is, is that, like I said in the previous episode, is that it's shown that in individuals who have you know, gender dysmorphia and have questions about their gender and things like that. Typically, even after a transition, you don't see their numbers improve as far as their health. So either you're going to take somebody who is going to have about the same chance of committing suicide and you're going to keep it the same, or you're going to take somebody and the numbers show that many children who go through these discomforts grow out of them. In fact, the vast majority, it's something like 92% who have gender issues when they're young, post-puberty, by the time they become an adult, are over it and grow out of it. So you're going to take people who would have had the same chance and you're going to transition them for a net zero effect. Or you're going to take somebody who would have grown out of it, you're going to make permanent alterations to their body, to their chemistry, through surgical practices, through pausing puberty and trying to resume it at a later time, you're going to put them behind their peers. And now you're going to take somebody who would have grown out of it, and now you're going to put them into a class where they're 
like many multitudes more likely to commit suicide, something like 40%. And that's, again, a, a, an estimate in the middle ground on the low end. So when you try and fit that into the realm of being the same as any other form of healthcare, as uh, as giving somebody a, a, a heart surgery or something, it's it's dishonest. And it's really going to affect the youth negatively, and it's already affecting the youth negatively. And there's more and more stories coming out about people that wish they hadn't transitioned and wish that their parents had stood up and wish that somebody had been there to be a, a, an opposite side guiding light. And now it's too late. Now you've made permanent alterations to your body that maybe some of it can be re reversed, maybe some of it can be fixed, but it's largely a permanent decision. And, and the craziest thing about it is, in as far as I know, every state in America, maybe there's a few states where this isn't the case, in most states, you can't get a tattoo under the age of 18 without parental consent. And the reason being for that, the agreed upon reason, is that you're not capable of making a permanent decision that will alter your body that will make a significant change. So if you want to try and make the argument that children can get permanent physical alteration in their body to get a sexual organ removed or sexual organs removed and undergo transitional surgery or undergo a, a, an opt-in prescription for puberty blockers, which is essentially chemical castration that has historically been used on prisoners and has adverse effects medically beyond any mental or anything else, but they're not, they're not capable enough to drink a beer. They're not capable enough to get a tattoo. We just had a story of some uh, child getting taken away recently. I can't remember where, where it occurred. But a 10-year-old had gotten a tattoo, and his mother had let him go to the neighbor and get a tattoo. And her excuse was that she thought it was a temporary tattoo. She didn't know it was like a real tattoo. And this was a big story, and people were outraged, and CCP got involved. So... How is it that it's not okay for a child to be able to make the decision to get a small tattoo on their leg of a heart or whatever it might be, but they are capable enough to make a permanent decision that will affect their life for the rest of their lives? And not to mention, even if it's not in the, in the frame of a sexual relationship, it's still something in the realm of sex. And you're essentially saying that someone that is a, a 12 year old or a 13 year old or 14 year old child is capable of making a decision. They're sexually conscious enough to make a decision. They know who they are and it's not who they biologically are. It, it, it I mean, if you want to talk about a slippery slope and you want to say that's a fallacy, it's not a far stretch. Once you allow children to say that they can make a, a, a consent to a sexual surgery that at the same time, at that same age, then they can make a, a consent to a sexual relationship. And this is the kind of path that we, we head down. This is the unforeseen circumstances. And again, I have no issue with full-grown adults knowing the concerns, knowing the complications, understanding, grasping, being educated, and making decisions that I don't agree with. I don't think, I think people are beautiful the way they are. I think they're beautiful the way they're born. I think that if you're a woman, you can be a masculine woman. I believe if you're a man, you can be an effeminate man. I believe that you can be gay, straight. I even believe that you can get transitioned. And if that's what you want, if that makes you happy, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I don't think that I have any right to tell you you shouldn't. But to act like these things are acceptable to push onto children and it's okay to have these drag story hours and these drag events for children. It's just, it's not. 
And I know that people are going to disagree with this. I know people are going to have concerns, but I would be doing the world and myself a disservice by not speaking my mind on this, even if it only reaches 10 people. And even if no one ever even gives my, my words a second thought, this is a terrifying, terrifying thing that they're trying to do. And it is an abhorrent thing to put on a, on a generation uh, of confused children and to push them towards the, these things because we think it's empowering, because it, it's one more step down the road of acceptance and tolerance. And again, nothing wrong with acceptance and tolerance in adults. But when it comes to children, there has to be a fine line between encouragement and uh, forceful driving. And when you push it all throughout, when you push it on TikTok, when you push it with the president by having him meet with this transgender TikTok star, which again, nothing against her. It's just, you're, you're, you're pushing this narrative onto these children. You're feeding on a discomfort they have that is natural when you go through puberty, when you're young, when you have issues as most children do, as I had when I was a child, not specifically gender issues, but I had some issues with depression and with things like that. And I wouldn't want to, okay, well, you're, uh, you're sad. So now you need to be put on an antidepressant for the rest of your life. That would have been a terrible idea. I outgrew that largely. I mean, everybody gets sad sometimes, but it's nothing like when I was younger in high school, for example. If somebody had decided I need to be put on a, on a antidepressant forever, who knows what impacts that would have had on my life or my well-being or where I would be. So when it comes to offering any kind of health care to children, there needs to be concern, especially when it involves drugs or operations. And to act like these things are cut and dry and, oh, they, they know what they are, they know who they are, and the parents are bigots for not wanting to do this. It's just not fair. And it's not true. And it hurts kids. And I know that a lot of people on the left, and this is where I'm going to try and understand the other side. I know that it comes from a place of caring and you want people to be accepted. You want them to be happy and you want them to live good, full lives. And if that's the case, as I mentioned before, the best thing to do is to wait until these kids are of an appropriate age to make that decision for themselves, not decide that they know best and then push it on them. And sorry if you guys hear my phone going off in the background. I don't know why people keep messaging. Um, but to, to push this on to these kids and to act like that this is a normal thing to do, it hurts them. It puts them into a group of being far more likely to hurt themselves and have further complications down the line than letting them sort it out, letting them grow up, and letting them make their own decisions. So I understand where you're coming from if you're on the left, and I understand where you're coming from if you're outraged on the right. I'm, again, not condoning any kind of action against these people that have you know, mental illness or, or the people that just make decisions as adults. There's no reason to hate them or hurt them or wish harm on them. And on the left, there's no reason to try and force feed this to people that don't want it or to push this agenda on children. So folks on the right, try to have some understanding and realize that there are some people who have some mental conditions and there are some people that just don't think the way you do. And that's not necessarily a mental condition. That can just be that they, they have a different way of wanting to live and that's their decision to make as an adult. Like I said, going to a strip club, not something I do, 
But something that I think people have the right to do, as long as everybody in that situation is consenting adults, as long as the strippers are there willingly and the customers are there willingly, I don't really like it. I wouldn't do it, but I have nothing against it in principle. Same thing with drag shows. So on the right, try to have some compassion. On the left, try to understand that there are some concerns with this that need to be addressed and we need to have a real discussion with it. And also realize that America on this particular issue, both in gender affirming care and LGBTQ plus in general, we have a lot of freedoms here that in most places in the world you don't have. And that's not to say that we can't do better for American citizens, but let's also be honest and not act like there's this this massive uh, attack on people that are different or that there's it's not the same as when Nazi Germany was throwing gay people or lesbians in concentration camps because they loved someone who they didn't appreciate. It's dishonest to act like that's the case. So. Not to be too kumbaya, but we do need to come together as Americans and find middle ground on these issues and have these difficult conversations. And it's why I feel like this is very important to make. And I'll finish this episode out by once again saying I I do not condone any kind of action against people or any kind of harm brought up to anyone. I don't I don't appreciate or condone any kind of malicious intent by anyone on either side of the aisle. And what happened in Colorado Springs, regardless of any of the gritty details or any of that, it's a tragedy. It's a terrible thing. Never should have happened. These people should have gotten help before they ever got to a stage of of going in and and harming other people that had nothing to do with it. Uh, And my my thoughts, my prayers, my, my heart goes out to anybody who was affected in this and to the souls that were lost and I'm not trying to, again, capitalize on what happened. I really, from the bottom of my heart, was planning on making an episode on this previously, and it just happened to coincide with this terrible event that happened. Um, So I really hope people don't see this as me trying to capitalize on some terrible tragedy because that's not the case. I just think it's important. and I think that to remain silent when things are happening that are really going to hurt a generation is an unacceptable way to live. And I'm not going to look back and say, I wish I had tried to do something and then have regret in my heart. So someday, no matter how things work out, just by putting out this podcast that, you know, I get maybe 10, 15 downloads per episode, I can at least say that I tried to create a a discussion. I tried to put something out there. I tried to reach people and, and spark reasonable conversation and, if things don't go well, you know, I'm going to keep trying harder. I'm going to try and do other things. Eventually I want to run for office. So we'll see if that happens. But this is my way of trying to, to reach out to people and say, we don't have to fall into these pitfalls of hatred and division and harm. You can have an issue with something without hating the individuals involved. I don't hate anybody in the LGBT community. I do think that that community does enable some awful, terrible things and not the community in general. Again, it's the actions of one are not the actions of many, but you do have people within that community that are pushing for something that needs to be called out. And if you're in that community and you're not pushing for those things, then you need to be heard too. And you need to be a voice of reason that's amplified and says, Hey, listen, I'm gay. I'm trans. I'm, I'm lesbian. I'm whatever I may be, but I don't agree with pushing this on children. 
that needs to be amplified too. And we need to hear more voices that are reasonable and willing to have discourse rather than just saying, okay, you're a, you know, Gaysler here, or you're a bigot on the other side. That's not how we accomplish things. And that's not how we have a, a good progression in this country. So anyway, I've rambled on long enough. I, I thank you all for listening and I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. I hope you go back and listen to some of my other episodes um, specifically the the crumbling core of America is an interesting one, the episode on the Bill of Rights, uh, the three letters and lie on our three letter organizations, and the uh, the abortion and guns episodes are, are two of my favorites. I know those are uh, divisive as well, but I encourage you to listen to those. And if you have any feedback that you want to provide or you want to get in touch with the show, please reach out at Political Division Reenvisioned, same name as the show, at gmail.com. Again, that's all one word, Political Division Reenvisioned at gmail.com. Uh, I'd be happy to hear from you, criticisms, critiques, advice. Uh, you want to get on the show. You want to have a discussion. You want to just send a message and let me know what you think. And you want to shout out in the next episode or you want me to, you know, address something that you're concerned with. I would love to hear from you. So uh, thank you all for listening. This has been Political Division Reenvisioned with Nick Liberty, and I'll see you in the next episode.